Welcome back to Soulback. This is Kyle here, back with Tom and Ed for another episode of the Soulback Podcast. This is episode 116. We're talking about 2001 R&B today, guys. We, we're almost at the end of the decade, or at the start of the decade, however you guys want to put it. But 2001, guys, Tom, you just mentioned before we got on the air that this, what a, what a year for R&B. What a freaking year. And before I say that, just want to remind everyone, whoever's listening to this audio only, be sure to join us. We've been recording this Saturday nights live. You can listen in on YouTube, Instagram. Join us in the conversation. We'd be glad to hear your comments and your thoughts. Um, another quick shout out to Big Tex on YouTube. This is Tom here from You Know uh. I Got Soul, the founder <laughs> of You Know I Got Soul. I'm not going anywhere, Tex, so you'll have to wait a little bit longer to take my seat. You know, just uh, but we appreciate you tuning in. Now back to the program. <laughs> 2001, I was just revisiting this year. What a freaking year. I mean, putting together my favorites is even hard to choose with three because it's going to feel like I left out at least ten that should have been included. But, man, Ed, we were we were lucky this year. It is an incredibly stacked year. I mean, historically for R&B, and we'll get to that later on, but just when we talk about our favorites, like you said, I was going through looking at some of my favorites. Play, it's like... Like, literally, some of my favorite albums of all time, of all time, dropped in 2001. And, I mean, even just, like, I know it's not R&B, but, like, even the little gems. Timberland and Magoo's Indecent mm. Proposal mm-hmm. is a ridiculous album. Yep. But it's 2001, and I wore that thing clean out. <laughs> it just shows the level of talent that was stacked in here that even the hidden gems are ones that we are loved today. Beloved joint. Well, it, it, it's crazy because as I look, especially at these rookies, especially the last couple of years now, I think starting in like 2003 and now we're in 2001, these rookies and the amount of debut albums that were coming out at that time on major labels, that lets you know that R&B was prospering, it was profiting. And when people say that R&B is alive and well today in 2020, I have to beg to differ because, like, just look at the amount of talent and the amount of music that was coming out. We don't see that type of support today. Absolutely not. I mean, it's alive. I mean, if you're on life support, you're still alive. So, I mean, it's alive in that way. But is it prosperous and healthy and thriving and just all these new artists who would go in with the benefit of hindsight that we know would become almost pseudo legends in their own right we'll talk about them very soon but this is all where it started in 2001 i always talk about how i feel like genres turn over every decade might not necessarily be the start of the decade but every 10 years it turns over and i feel like that turnover was happening here and this year really set the tone and 2000 a little bit too we'll get to next week set the tone for the decade to come you know what's crazy, Kyle? I was helping you put together that list of rookies. Yep. It seemed like that list would never end. Well, the thing I'm most impressed about is most of those rookies are still here now doing their thing. So a lot of them have made a lasting impact, and we got so much talent coming into us that year. Yeah. Um, and I forgot a couple, too. So they, they're not even on the collage, but I have a few that we need to give a shout-out to. But let's talk about some albums that came out in 2001 here. I mean, so many that come to mind, but I guess we'll start off talking about the Usher 8701 album. Uh, shout out to Netabrielle. She was going to join us on this. Something came up, but we'll get her back for another episode because she loves this album. And honestly, a lot of people love this album, and a couple people here on the podcast love it more than Confessions. Tom? I'm one of those who likes it more than Confessions. I think they're both borderline, arguably classics in their own right. I, I think you probably got to say yes, but... 
I was really looking forward to this one, and I was not disappointed. You know, it's I'd call it his best body of work. It really set the tone to make him into the legend he is. And uh, it's one I still have in rotation today, many of the songs. So I'm a, I'm a big fan. I got to kind of, I got to let your boy counter this one a little bit. Because I know you said you were looking forward to it. I really wasn't. I mm. was not really expecting a lot from this. Y'all remember, mm. shout out to Pop Your Collar. Y'all remember that one. Your boy did not like that song. Uh. <laughs> I was not a fan. I mean, I'm sorry, I was not a fan. Um, I didn't even really like you remind me that much. And I know mm. that's sacrilege, but I don't know. It was a little too bouncy. It felt like a yeah. cartoon theme song to me. <laughs> so that didn't really connect. But the project itself, arguably, I won't even say arguably, I'll state it as a fact, is more cohesive than Confessions. I think Confessions has had a greater legacy in the years that have followed, but for his most cohesive piece of work, you're talking 8701, an incredible album. And anybody who prefers this one to Confessions, I can't argue with you. Well, I think the interesting with this album is, uh, the interesting thing with it is that a lot of artists in the 90s, they weren't able to transition into the 2000s. A lot of them mm-hmm. got stuck behind in the 90s, and yeah. Usher found a way, had help from the Neptunes, B. Cox, JD, of course, they were there as well. But he really, no pun intended, ushered in a new era hmm. for himself. And I just remember that era because you had, you remind me, he had that whole youth thing going, you remind me, you got a bad, you don't mm-hmm. have to call, which is like the best Neptune song ever. And Tom and Ed, you can't forget about this one, U-Turn. Can we talk about U-Turn? <laughs> yes, yes oh, I forgot boy. about U-Turn. Shout out to U-Turn. <laughs> so, I, I, just, I love, I'm, I'm reading the comments here on Instagram, there's a lot of good discussion going on. Real quick shouts, Angel in Disguise, Shaquille Perry as always checking in, Damon, Tar Heels fan. Uh, we got Watch These from from UK checking in. Lawrence, thank you for always coming through. Lunacy Fringe, appreciate you guys all tuning in. We're reading your comments on Instagram, so we'll try to chime in on those when we can. Yep, and and YouTube as well. Did you guys know that Poppy Collar had a music video? I totally forgot. Yes. About I didn't know that. It's, yeah, I mean, it, I remember it airing like once or I don't even know if it aired that much, but I do remember seeing it like on YouTube, and he was like doing all these odd jobs, and he was like a football player mm. and a janitor. That mm. song was, I don't know what it was going on with Popular Collar. Thankfully, he course-corrected by the time we got to this <laughs> mm-hmm. And And then the last point I'll make about this album is those three singles that Usher put out, You Remind Me, You don't you Got a Bad and You Don't Have to Call, those music videos, it was like a storyline. It went from like one to the next to the, to the next one. Mm. We don't see that anymore. We just see people filming with iPhones and spending 20 minutes on editing and moving on but that's 2020 r&b for you (laughs) i miss those days um let's get into another i'm gonna go with the males first just because we want to split this off nicely uh michael jackson's invincible album this was very hyped he had the rodney jerkins single you rock my world chris tucker's in the music video can't forget about the song butterflies tom were you feeling this one yeah, I think it's underrated when you look back at his catalog. Mm-hmm. Shout out to our boy Montrez Jones, who came here just just to tell us he was born in 2001. So, oh, Montrez, Montrez, you have oh. nothing to contribute to this conversation. Go back to bed. Montrez. But, yeah, definitely I felt was a little bit slept on. What do you think, Ed? Um, I will say there are two albums that we'll discuss today that I was not a big fan of in 2001. Mm. This was one of them. Mm. Now, I have gone on to love it. 
to this day, I still don't like rock with you. I'm sorry. I don't like the You Rock My World joint. Really? I do not like that song at all. But wow. everything else, I felt like as a as an album, it kind of came together. It wasn't, of course, at the level of five-star absolute classics that were off the wall and thriller and even dangerous and bad. It was nothing ground-shaking on that level. But it was a pretty solid piece of work. And for the last album that we've been left with, I don't know if it's nostalgia. I don't know if it's just longing because I miss my man so much. But this album has really grown on me in the past couple of years. But I will mm. say that Butterflies from this album, from day mm. one, yep. became instantly one of my favorite Michael Jackson songs. Wow. Shout out to Marsha Ambrosius for writing that one. Yep. yep. Someone mentioned Heaven Can't Wait, Heaven Can't yes, Wait by Teddy Raleigh. The one that Teddy did, amazing song, and in the song two thousand watts, where his voice is like super deep, and people say that's his actual voice. Have you guys heard this? Oh, I've heard that. <laughs> yes. Shout out yeah. to my son Damon. I didn't know he was in the house. He said that he wasn't a big fan of it either. That's why he's my son. Hmm. Uh, Maxwell dropped an album in two thousand and one. We love Maxwell, and this album. A lot of people love this album here. This one, actually, Ed, this is the one I probably wasn't the biggest fan of this year. I just felt it was too far removed from his debut album, and -hmm. I could never really get into the sound of this one. I don't know if you feel differently. I haven't revisited it lately. I might have to give it another shot. This is, this might be, is it my wife's favorite? I can't remember. No, I think Embryo might be her favorite. I can't Mm. remember which one is her favorite. But this is one that grew on me. Um, Mm. I didn't hear this at the time. I heard it like much later. In fact, I need to rank his discography. Somebody write a note to remind me to do that sometime. But yeah, this one I think is pretty solid. It is very removed from the sound that we appreciate it. But yeah, I'm I'm okay with evolution, and I think this was an evolution in a right way. It's not the Maxell that we we love and we be you know we beloved and we keep yeah. close. And it's not even the sound that we think of when we think of Maxwell. Yeah. But as a project, I thought it was pretty solid. Very very solid. A couple more male acts that dropped albums this year. Uh, Give me your thoughts on these ones. I know you guys listen to all of them. Uh, Mm. Genuine, Case, Joe, John B., Brian McKnight, Babyface, Mm. Tyrese. Which one stands out to you here? All of those are great (laughs) albums. Like, all of them are great. What a year. Like, uh, I will say of all those that you named, the most underrated one might be... I know which one Tom's going to say, but I think Genuine, I think mm. The Life is very, very underrated. I, when I ranked his discography, I mm. was this close to wow. making it his best album, and I know y'all would have rioted, but <laughs> I thought that album was incredible. Really loved and, that. But all apolog- of those you named are good. Apologize to everyone listening. We have about probably 50 albums to go through, so we're just going to try to yeah. you know, skim through some of it a bit. But yeah, that Genuine one. I don't think it's his best, personally, but I think it was really solid. Yeah. Um, the John B. One, Pleasures You Like, I absolutely love. I think that's slept on. The Case album, Open Letter, yeah. I really, really, really like. Yeah. Such a cohesive project, front to back. I love the fact that you know it's different stories about from his life, about relationships, so it all made sense to me. And um, Those are two I would spotlight. Honestly, I could sit and talk about all the ones you named Kyle, but I know we yeah. don't have enough time. <laughs> You know what? I was just listening to the Joe record today, Let's Stay Home Tonight. Because mm. Jonte, who wrote the song, commented on it and said it was a fire song. Had to revisit that one. I think the Neptune's track, Isn't it? Isn't This the World, is also on this album. I felt like yep. that was a very solid piece of work. But to me, from that list, Case, man, I was just talking to him the other day. And Tim and Bob really did their thing on this one. So 
Shout out to Case. And then we have two male groups that dropped projects, uh, 112 and Jagged Edge. Both, again, you had Where the Party At and you had Peaches and Cream. Huge songs in that era. What stood out to you guys about these two albums? Now, I will say I ain't really like either <laughs> of those, al- those songs, but the <laughs> albums, my gosh. You know, y'all know that I can stand for 112 all day, and this album, part three, one of my favorites, this close, I think I gave it four and a half stars. Mm. I love it. I love it. I don't care what y'all say. It's an incredible album. And the J.E. album, too. Again, I wasn't really big on the um, lead singles with these, but when you go into the album cut specifically, J.E. has some real sleepers on yep. this yeah. one. So both of these albums were two that I really wore out back in 2001. I was hyped about both of those coming out. I was not disappointed in either. 112's album, Ed, you know we disagree. I don't think it's their best. I think it's really good. But really, to me, it showed growth in their music and more maturity, which I appreciated. Jagged Little Thrill, you know, it wasn't J.E. Heartbreak for me, but also, once again, it showed progression. Man, I wore out that Where the Party at back in the day. I had that downloaded from LimeWire or somewhere early on before anyone had it. I was blasting that thing. No one even knew people were asking me where that came from. Those were the days, guys. (laughs) Which which of the two songs do you think has made a bigger impact on R&B? Oh, Where the Party at, no question. Yeah. Unfortunately, I have to say Peaches and Cream has not aged well, in my opinion. Mm. No, I I wasn't a fan in 01, so it doesn't get much play. I'm curious to hear what people think in the comments if you feel like either of those songs have aged particularly well. Peaches and Cream. cream Yeah, exactly. I think Nelly uh, did his thing on Where the Party At, Ed. (laughs) That's why it's so low on my list. Is that why? (laughs) All right. Uh, Let's talk about the females here. And again, we're skimming. So if we miss out on anything, uh, you can yell at us in the DMs. Don't yell at us here. Let's talk about the females here, because there's a lot of solid, solid female albums that came out this year. we got to start off talking about Aaliyah. Of course, she passed shortly after this album release, um, but a great body of work. Guys, where were you when Aaliyah passed? Oh, man. Um, I, I, I've meant to tell this story at the beginning of the show, but one, the year 2001, I have always said, is like the most pivotal year in my life. Because it's the year I graduated from college. Poor Montrez was just coming out the womb, but I was walking across <laughs> the stage. It was the year that I moved to Louisville, Kentucky, away mm. from my home of Virginia, and like where I would be for the next decade, where I would meet my wife and all this crazy stuff. It was the first time I was out on my own. We had 9-11, of course. Mm. And then a, a week, well, not a week, but a month before that, we had Aaliyah's passing. So I found out that she passed. I went to church that morning and I guess she had passed overnight or something. news came out overnight. I didn't hear anything about this. So I went to work. I mean, I went to church and they had these kind of like testimonials at the front where everybody would go up and say, oh, I thank the Lord for waking me up this morning, starting me on my way. And this lady was like, oh, I feel so bad about that girl that died in that plane. You know, the Lord will just take you home whenever. So I didn't know who she was talking about. I thought she was like making a random, you know, anecdote. But then these, this um, pair of women behind me was like, girl, did you hear that, that Leah died last night? I turn around. I'm like, what? No, mm, she, no, 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 <laughs> yeah. no. I work at the newspaper. I would have known this. But when I left, I found out and went to work 
and found out this that truth. So, wow, very heartbreaking day. Yeah, I mean, on that album, I, I was in college. I just started college. Woke up to that news on the radio. I'm up from my alarm clock. Crazy, crazy thing. And uh, mm-hmm. I ran out that day and bought another copy of the album. I remember doing that. You know, and the album was so ahead of its time. I mean, yeah. I don't think it was ever appreciated in the moment. But if you look back, it still sounds fresh to me. I know you like it too, Kyle. Yeah, great album. It actually took me a while to really get used to and really enjoy the album in its entirety. Like, of course, you love the Timbaland songs. Rock the Boat, immediate favorite of mine. But some of those other records, like Read Between the Lines, where it had like a Latin flavor to it, that stuff took a while. But the songwriting was so strong on there and definitely ahead of uh, its time. I remember when she passed away. I was, like you, Tom, I was listening to the radio when they announced it. And I remember, like, Days after that on MTV, that's all they talked about, and and rightfully so, because she left such a huge mark on the industry. And guys, I really hope this album at some point, we keep hearing the rumors that it's going to show up on Spotify and all these streaming platforms. It might already be there. I don't use Spotify, but um, I hope it shows up on all platforms so people are really able to um, enjoy this album. And Tom can finally put that album off ebay that's selling for a million dollars or whatever <laughs> oh boy shout out to shout out to static major who did some amazing writing rest in peace to him as well he did some great some of his best work on this album you know he needs to get recognition as well yeah absolutely Agreed. and as we know the production that kind of started here and it's funny that you say that kyle that it didn't really resonate with you i was the opposite for me i mm. remember I know Rock the Boat's different, but I remember clearly, we talked about this before, 2001, you go to Target on release day, you cop that joint. So I copped it first day, mm-hmm. and I remember driving back, and Rock the Boat is one of the early songs, and this came on, I was like, why is this not the single? This mm-hmm. is killing the Timberland song. Yeah. And then we had songs like It's Whatever, and Loose Rap, and What If. I really like this different sound it really worked well for her Aaliyah was always really dark and had like this mysterious vibe and we've seen that style I say vibe the word that haunts me to this day hmm. because that <laughs> style has gone on to influence a whole decade of R&B if you want to call it R&B and hip-hop starting with the weekend and going forward so she was kind of people took her blueprint Mm-hmm. and ran with it and it really flavors so much of what we hear today yeah mm-hmm. rest in peace to leah uh let's talk about some other albums here that came out i mean we got to talk about faith evans third album here oh people, yes we do people talk about this all the time this album and rightfully so i might even say i mean her debut is her debut when you can't really argue with that one her second one is solid the fourth album is good too but this third album man hard to argue against this being arguably her best too yep i would put this right under her debut right under the second album i like i do feel like it has a couple weak spots has some little sleepy spots to me Mm. but the third album is almost and it has a so different sound it's not a carbon copy of the debut it's much more hip-hop and up-tempo and she's having a good time and she's really growing into herself whereas the first album she was really kind of insecure if you listen to the lyrics and with a lot of heartbreak this is kind of like you know you get no love from me dude you just messed up <laughs> that's the type of growth and progression that we got here i love this album so much this is one of my favorites of all time and if we even get anything close to this from my girl faith again i will be so happy mm. i love this album too and we a few weeks ago we talked about 
was the um the first lady album which is also an amazing album i mean we yeah. the face catalog is so slept on like she's known as a celebrity and a legend but i don't feel like we ever really talk about albums like this and celebrate them enough i mean this was yeah. such a quality project top to bottom solid project here and the record I Love You, people love that song, Burning Up. As they should. Yep. You get the love. A lot of great album cuts, too. So, man, shout out to Faith. We're waiting on a new project from you. Uh, yep. Let's get into another project here. Mary J. Blige, the No More Drama album. She hooked up with my guy, Ja Rule, on the Rainy Days <laughs> record. But, but more importantly than that, this is, and we talk about catalog here, Mary J. Blige leading up to this album was like four for four. No More yeah. Drama comes... And this album probably doesn't get the same love that the previous four did, but did you guys enjoy this one? Yeah, I thought it was good. It's not nearly the level of the previous albums, but as overall making up of her discography, I think it sits kind of like in the, I wouldn't say it's middle, kind of like upper middle. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like to me, Tom, you might feel me on this, Jay-Z's volume one. Like it's an album nobody really <laughs> talks about. It's not yeah. bad. But it just deserves a little bit more love, but it's really solid overall. I really like this one. It's got some really good album cuts on it. I did not like... Man, I keep saying I don't like any singles in 2000. <laughs> but I don't... I did not like um, Hateration, how, whatever it's called. Mm. She got the gray wig. Yeah. I didn't like that song. <laughs> but No More Drama was great. I love Steal Away and some of the other cuts on it. This is a really good album we don't talk about enough. Sort of like Faith's. I see Tar Heels fan in the comments saying this is his favorite Mary J album. Now, for me, I love her first four. I've been on record saying her first four to me are classics, and it's hard to find anyone who can match that. But I really felt like this one was a step down. And maybe we were just spoiled that she gave us such amazing music that we felt like this one wasn't you know, up to par. But it's still a solid album regardless. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Tom, you didn't, I mean, Ed, you didn't say whether you liked Rainy Days. Because I think you know the answer. To that. <laughs> All right, say no more. Was it true? I and mean, you can answer this. I believe that this song was written for TLC, and they were like, "We already did a water song, so we don't want to do this no more." Yeah, I, never I mean, heard in that. the lyrics, oh. Mary J says something about chasing waterfalls. Ja Rule yeah. was using his pen and executing greatness, and TLC, <laughs> TLC passed on it, and now they're complaining about I, the industry turning on them. I would like to ask oh you guys one God. question, though, oh, because yeah. we often talk about how this was a turning point for R&B, yeah. where they allowed rappers to start singing, but I wonder who whose idea this was to put these two together singing on a song. I, I don't know the story behind it. I don't know, but you know, Ja Rule was doing his, you know... Cookie Monster, Old Man in the Choir Flow, <laughs> the rainy days. Oh. So I'm sure he did not step down. That was his thing at the time. And now everybody does it. Yep. Can't hate yep. on the rule, guys. Um, <laughs> I got another uh, few female artists here that dropped albums. Um, I think we can all speak on these ones here. Uh, we've got Khalees' Wonderland, which came out internationally. But people love this album to this day. People, and I know... Some people have said that Full Moon is like the start of alternative R&B or maybe Aphrodisiac. But I've also seen comments now where people feel like Khalees is the start of alternative R&B. So I want your take on that. But Tom, along with that is Janet Jackson and Destiny's Child. Um, What stands out to you guys about these? Well, I'll say I'll jump into the alternative conversation. I ain't buying the Full Moon started alternative R&B. I don't get that at all. You can make a bigger case for for the Khalees album, that's kind of iffy, but I can definitely see that. And I think this is something that, 
at the time. I understand why they got an international release. But it's one of those joints. If it came out today, people would be going nuts. Destiny's Child album, this is their first album, even though I give the Beehive a hard time. I'm pretty much in love with all the DC albums, except this one. Mm -hmm. This one was way (laughs) too poppy for your boy. I was not feeling this one. And... Oh, what was the last one? Janet, we mentioned. Yeah. All for you. Oh, that was a fun album. Yeah. The Khalees one, I'll just say, and I was a big Khalees fan after her first one. This one was hard to digest at the time. The, this, I mean, Young, Fresh, and New was the first single, and that that's, one, to me, was like a fork on a chalkboard, the way that one so sounded. loud. <laughs> I didn't know what was going on. I still not don't. It's not bad, but like this album, to me, was just in too many different directions. There's like a rock song on here. Uh it's not a horrible album. I was still listening to some songs, but I just, yeah, I don't love it. Oh, Pharrell was singing on Shooting Stars. Like Pharrell. Style. Yeah, he was crooning away. Yep, He's that. come a long crooning way since away. then. I love that song. Uh, we got to also give a quick shout out here to Angie Stone, who released an album in 2001. Ed, you love Angie Stone. I love me some Angie. Hmm. I mean, she is another one of those underrated singers that even to this day when she releases a project, there are at least three or four songs off of it I love. I've often said that if Mother Nature was a black woman who sang R&B, it would be Angie Stone. <laughs> this album just Wow. That. Wow. Well put. Um, someone said that the Destiny's Child album is good at, until track six and then it goes downhill. Hey, if you can get to track six in 2020, you're doing pretty good for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Good lord. Uh, it's 2020. It probably got 66 tracks on it. <laughs> and then, Ed, I'm trying to think back to that Janet album. The singles were All For You, Doesn't Really Matter, and mm-hmm. Someone to Call My Lover. Mm-hmm. Was Son of a Gun on that album, too? Yeah. I think, okay. I think that was that. I'm sure, um, where's, um, I'm Montre. sure Derry will correct us if we're in there, or Montrez. It sounds like Janet a very, folks. it sounds like a very pop album, if it is i mean really it's a pop album like Hmm. that's what it is and honestly the dc album is a pop album and that's why i I wasn't it's just and it was almost bubblegum pop it wasn't regular pop yeah so that's why i really couldn't get with the dc joint it felt like something for um leftovers from old britney or something Hmm. there is that brown eyes song on that album that's pretty good I remember correctly maybe not you remember wrong all right then. uh let's get into these debut albums here can we do that guys yeah i'm ready oh where do we begin i mean we have to start with alicia keys but i'm just gonna name a couple here uh we've got alicia keys we've got city high tank jaheem craig david indy Ari, Blau, sunshine anderson ed's girl blue cantrell uh <laughs> selena johnson prophet jones who has found us on Instagram, so shout out to Prophet <laughs> Jones. Uh, Kiki Wyatt, Dream, Diddy's Group, Little Mo, uh, what else do we have here? Coffee Brown, Olivia, Toya. I forgot about posting Toya on our uh, collage. Mm. My girl Toya. Uh, Jimmy Cozier. Did you say Jaheem? We yep, said Jaheem. Okay. Uh, Eric Roberson and Lena. Uh-huh. Uh a lot of great R&B albums this year, like I was mentioning, the debut albums here, solid, solid, solid. But Those are the debuts. I don't think we got that many regular R&B albums <laughs> in 2020. No, we don't. <laughs> uh, but we got to first off start out here talking about Alicia Keys' debut, which arguably, uh, according to Tom, might be the best album of this year. He's been hyping this 
album up on this podcast for since like 2013. Tom, why do you love this album? I mean, Ed, a few weeks ago you said her second album might have been the best album of the decade for you, right? That's what I said. I might have I to say. Startled. I might have to say this is the best album of the decade right here. Well, this ain't the best <laughs> album that we've named so far. But state your case. I mean, I just remember when it came out, you know, it was kind of that old soul feel. And then going front to back, I mean, every song to me is, is a standout. It's hard to find fault with this album. It's probably not the best album of the decade. When I review and, and review all the notes, I'll probably feel differently. But man, this was an album, guys. I mean, for someone's debut to come out, like she was ready when this point came. And this was like an album a veteran would give us. And I was impressed. Yeah, I mean, I'll give you that. Because, again, for those of you who weren't around in 2001, you know, shout out to Damon was like minus four. And my boy <laughs> um, Montrez was just like popping out. But in 2001, when when this album dropped, people were like, who is this? Because yeah. this rookie was like being put up there with the legends. Because yeah. you had a woman who was actually singing, which, again, you have to remember the times. And we complain now about R&B being too hip-hop and this and that today. But that was just starting to drift that way in early 2000. So you have a artist coming out as really traditional soul she's at the piano literally playing yep. it appealed to older audiences and younger audiences because of her style her vibe and what she was singing about at the time i was really excited for this album and i got it and i did not like the singles again mm. which is like the theme of 2001 <laughs> for some reason i did like the album cuts but i remember being disappointed but because of the hype but a couple months ago, I went back because I know Tom loves this album. He loves As I Am, another one I'm iffy on. <laughs> and I reviewed her discography, gave it a fresh ear, gave it a fresh listen. And this album was a lot better than I remember. So, yes, it is a solid album. One of her best and definitely a pivotal point for R&B in 2001. Hold on, guys. I, I love the comment section. Shaquille Perry, our boy, he's telling me I'm wrong. It's mm. not been the best album this year. Listen, Shaquille Perry, you were three years old in 01. You weren't there <laughs> when I was working. I was working in Circuit City. Wow. Alicia Keys' album sold out the first day. I had to snag a copy and hide it in the cash register drawer so I could get my own copy. There was no downloading back then, guys. So I had to get it done, and I've loved the album ever since. Shaquille Perry, man, <laughs> come on. You weren't what, listening hey. to Alicia Keys at three years old. Wait, are you allowed to be holding stock? From the customers. I don't think so, guys. Yeah, that, but, that, no, that, that could get But now fired. you know why Circus City went out of business. Yeah. <laughs> Although I will say, I did hold Tekken 3 and Pokemon when I worked at GameStop. So that we did some shady stuff, too. And, and real quick, I already have to make a retraction because our boy Damon reminded me that A. Marie's debut album came out in this decade. So that is already better than this one for me. So I retract my song, my album of the decade comment. My boy knows what he's talking about. Second place, second place isn't bad, but... You know, the last point I'll make about Alicia Keys is it was just so interesting when you look back at it that they pushed Falling to, to pop right away. Like, that doesn't I sound like that. a traditional pop song to me, but it blew up. Immediately. It's, yeah. it's, it's, I still can't wrap my head around it because even in 2001, I was taken aback. I was like, because it, it came out of nowhere, y'all. Yeah. It's not like an album. Like, remember, um, what's your girl's name, Kyle? Boot Up Girl, LMA. Yeah. When that song came out and it kind of like festered a year and then it kind of got hot on social media, 
Same thing with that Lizzo song. That song is super old, and then it kind of bubbled up. Falling came out of nowhere. It was immediately yeah. pushed to pop. It immediately ran to number one. She was this immediate instant star. I don't know if we've seen anything like that lately. Yeah, that was uh, that was an amazing debut. But we got more to talk about here. Uh, I'm going to just name them here because uh, I don't know how much time we have here. But I'm just going through the first collage here. What stands out from you here? City High, Tank, Jaheem, Craig David, Indy Iree, Bilal, Sunshine Anderson, and Blue Cantrell. Can I first talk about Craig David? That <laughs> Fill Me In song is like, it was so overplayed in 2001. But the crazy thing is it still sounds fresh today. And we yes. have some rapid, rapid uh, Craig David fans that follow us. And I didn't realize how big his fan base is. But man, people love this debut album. Tom, Play Seven it. Days, another great one. I remember when that came out, that album. It was like this new sensation from the UK that was making R&B. We yeah. hadn't really heard much like that or that sound at the time. It was so fresh, and I was excited about it. Weren't you, Ed? I Fill Me In, I liked, and then I didn't like it because y'all mm. played it to death. <laughs> but going back, like Kyle said, I went back with my wife loves – Craig David has this insane fan base. My wife is one of them. I did yeah. not realize that people love Craig David so much. But I went back and, you know, I listened to the album. It's back there somewhere. Maybe about five or six years ago. And I was like, man, this holds up. And Fill Me In, I listen to all the time. It's just so catchy and fun. Man. Mm-hmm. Um, so, guys, the other albums here. Tank, City High, Jaheem, Indy Iree, Bilal, Sunshine Anderson, Blue Cantrell. Tom? I'll talk about uh, Jaheem real quick, but yeah. for a shout to Angel in the Sky, she chimed in on the Alicia Keys conversation. She said she had Clive Davis and the Machine backing her, and I want to talk about that another time in another podcast and really talk about how she blew up from the start, but mm. that was a great observation. But Jaheem, um, I love his debut album. I saw in the comments here someone, they were calling him the, the new version of Luther Vandross. Mm. I guess the voice, I mean, his style wasn't really the same if you think about it. Yeah. But that debut ghetto love, I love. Um, shout out to our boy KG, produced. You know he discovered Jaheem and produced this album. Anything you know written by our boy RL of Next is probably easily one of my favorites wow. of all time. Um, and there's some other songs, you know, just in case, such a unique song. And there's some others, but it's I like that project. Love and, it, love it. One of those debuts. And it's funny, y'all call him like the new Luther. To me, he's the new Teddy P. That's who he reminds mm. me of. But mm. I think Ja was, this was like another star making debut. When you heard it, you were like, okay, this guy's going to be something. And he had hit single after hit single after hit single. Again, you don't really see that today. You don't see an artist come out with buzz and just drops legit hit, legit hit, legit hit. Now, I'm not talking about hype, hype, hype. I'm talking hit, hit, hit. So good for Ja, he did that. Um, Ed, can we talk about Bilal and NDRE? People love these two albums. Yes. I was not one of them. I was mm. not. I did <laughs> not become a Bilal fan until down the road. I just could not. Act, I could not crack that nut. I was like, this is not working. I'm not hearing what y'all hear. But I did get to appreciate him a few years later. But that album, Firstborn Second, I think is what it's called. Second Born First, something like that. Mm -hmm. Anyway, that album is very beloved. 
And India Irie, so ahead of her time, so yeah. unappreciated today, is woke and everything that y'all love being in 2020. She was doing her thing in 2001, talking about her black skin and her black hair, and she is so beautiful. And she was introducing these styles and just this self-love that was not really being seen in the more glamorous and kind of put on a face and throwing your weave and do whatever form of music that we saw. She really stood out and really appealed to a new generation of women. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple more debuts here. Sunshine Anderson, Tom, heard it all before. That, to me, might be the song of this year, of 2001. Like, that was such Man, an anthem. You, shout out to our boy Mike City, who produced that one. But that yep. one, like, is that timeless type of R&B jam you could yep. still put on, and people will immediately start moving. It's that special. And this record was really solid. I really liked the other single. I think it was called Lunch or Dinner. Um, good song it. as well. Yeah. And she has some slept-on albums, Sunshine Anderson. That's a talent, but never really got the recognition she deserved. Yeah. And then, Ed, Blue Cantrell. No I've left this one for you. <laughs> uh, first of all, Listen. Fire album. Fire debut album. I'm not even going to dispute that. It was an amazing album. Amazing. And I will say that. And there's a song on it called, I think it's called, like, I'll Find a Way. Yes. That song was playing. I remember when I went, they were not... The day of um, 9-11, I went to the grocery store, and they had, like, the radio on, on the speakers, I guess, just to give news updates, and they played that song. So whenever I think of that song, I think of 9-11 in that day. Mm. Blue and I are cool. I will not get into back (laughs) in the day. We good now. So today, we're going to be positive, and what we're going to talk about is how great this album is, and I was always a big fan of this album, and I think it's one of the more underrated ones of the of the decade, if you want to say so. This is an album that should have been a star-making turn. I know we all, Oops is the one that gets a lot of attention. Mm-hmm. Again, it's going to go to my 2001, Ed, don't like the singles, because that was another <laughs> one. I was like, what is yeah. going on here? But throughout <laughs> the album, it is pretty bulletproof. I thought this was really great. Her follow-up is very good, too. She's a very underrated talent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then from that first collage, we still have City High, and we have Tank. Now, I'll make these two points here. City High, I thought they were going to be big, and I thought Claudette was going to be the biggest thing on Earth. Like, Ashanti was 1A, but Claudette was 1B. Like, I thought those two were going to be stars. And then I'll talk about Tank here. Of all these artists that we have mentioned, he's the only one, maybe except Alicia Keys, that's still on a major. That's incredible. Like, I would not have predicted that in 2001. Yeah. Nor would I. I remember when Force of Nature dropped and I was still, I hadn't graduated yet. And everybody was like really hyped about the album and was like, this dude is next up. But I would have, I mean, I thought he would have a successful career. But of all those incredible names that we named, I would have put almost all of them in front of Tang. And that's nothing against his talent. It just shows how stacked 2001 is. But he's persevered for 20 years, 20 years strong. Yeah. Shout out to Tank and shout out to our guy, Jermaine Dupree, who just checked in. Uh, but as far as Tank, you know, we love Tank. We have a love-hate relationship, I'd say. He kind of <laughs> went in a certain direction later on, and it wasn't necessarily for us. But you got to give him respect and show him respect for what he's been able to accomplish. This album, you know, I remember when Maybe I Deserved came out, you know, loved it, and definitely had to go check out the album right away. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Man, then I, y'all had me talking about blue. Now y'all got me talking about tank. I'm just sitting over here. Let me let me drink my tea. <laughs> let me drink my tea. 
And then, guys, I need your A&R experience here, your musical genius prowess. Uh, was it necessary for the City High song to have the last episode beat on there? <laughs> <laughs> like, what was the point? I don't understand what the point of that was. Uh, it was just to switch it up to give it a different feel. I don't I, know how I feel about that song, even all these years later. I know it was, like, great intentions. It's well-intentioned, but it was always kind of weird. That song was always weird. Hmm. <laughs> uh, all right, we're on the second collage here of debut albums, and then we'll, we'll start talking about what our favorites were. But mm-hmm. Selena Johnson, Prophet Jones, Lena, Kiki Wyatt, Dream, Little Mo, Eric Roberson, Coffee Brown, and Olivia. Tom, I know you're going to talk about Coffee Brown. That's like your favorite group of all time. <laughs> of all time. Of all time. <laughs> Actually, I lied because Philly's Most Wanted also came out in 2001. <laughs> That's true, Keep that but real. I have a problem with the Olivia song, Biz Ounce. What? No, we do not have problems with Biz Out, sir. Why does the song? Do. Why does the song start off as a rap? Like that confuses the consumer. That's a debut artist, and she starts off with a rap as an R and B singer. Well, because the rap was very pointed, and you got to hear the unedited version to hear what she's really talking about. She just come out the gate cussing. I love <laughs> it. <laughs> but Tom, Coffee Brown, <laughs> Coffee Brown. It's a solid album. Shout out to my guy KG once again. I love the story behind this album. They were a couple, I guess, and they broke up before the album even released, so it just kind of flopped because there was no one left to promote it. But, um, yeah, I mean, some once again, our boy RL did some good writing on this. After Party, another timeless song, Weekend Thing, I really like. And there's a couple others. You know, our boy KG was on fire back then with his Divine Mill label. Mm-hmm. And then, Ed, I mean, we got to talk about your girl, Little Mo. But then we also My have girl. to talk about your, <laughs> your your girl, Kiki Wyatt, here. What stands out here? Man, to- two vocal beasts. Little mm-hmm. Mo was probably my most anticipated album of the year. I've talked about before, about how in the Napster days, Napster. Y'all, shout out if you remember Napster. I had this, because this album kept getting delayed and delayed. I just mm-hmm. did the deal. I went and got it on Napster. The original version of the album it changed a little bit when we got the official one but i copped the official one too and i love this debut it's one of the most slept on of its era little mo should have been a gigantic star and i can't say enough about kiki kiki i think is an incredible out artist she still hasn't given us like that i feel like she has this great album in her and she has mm-hmm. not given it to us yet but i thought the debut was solid showed a lot of promise had a couple songs on it that i really liked yeah. and also really like her sunglasses that she wore. No, I don't know why I remember that all these years, but I really like your glasses. We wore those Shout- clear, big glasses in 2001. I miss them. Shout out to Lil Mo. I mean, that Superwoman Part 2 with Fabulous was probably one of the biggest songs I remember from that year. Love that song. Yep, yep. She Great was a song. hit maker. Yep. Um, I'm just going to quickly mention these ones because we're running out of time. i got to be out of here in 15 minutes, guys. But Prophet Jones... A lot of people love Man. that album. Selena Johnson, Eric Roberson. That's like one of those like hidden gems. People need yep. to go check that one out. Lena, who Tom, you just interviewed. So for people that have been wondering where she's been, check out, you know, I got sold for that one. And Dream, the making of the band, Diddy's group Dream. They had a couple of songs. I wouldn't really classify them as a as a full-on R&B group, but during that era, R&B and pop were like inter- intertwined and intermingled. So... We'll put them on this here anyway. Um, let's get into it now here. We've named all the rookies, and I can't forget about Toya, Jimmy Cozier. So a lot of great 
debut acts here, guys. This is our first award. Who is the rookie of the year in 2001? Who had the best album? I got to shout out Angel in the Skies because she just shouted out Little Mo's cover of Time After Time, one of my favorite songs, and Mo killed it. So shout out to that. But I want to say Mo, but we there's only really one answer that we can say here. I mean, it has to be Alicia. My heart <laughs> says Mo, but my unbiased brain says Alicia Keys. 2001 was her year. Tom? 100% agree. Nothing really more to say about it. And I can't forget, since JD's here, that record that he did for Alicia Keys on this album, Girlfriend, that's such an amazing yeah. song, too. It's, Love that song. When, remember when I just said that I wasn't feeling Fallen, but there were some album cuts, and it's ended up being sort of a single? That was the one with the ODB sa- sample. That one really got me. Mm-hmm. And JD was on Alicia Keys early on, years before she yep. even blew up. Don't forget. Yep. 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 Can't forget that. And I actually really... I mean, why are we still talking about this album? But, I mean, it, it is my Rookie of the Year, but uh, How Come You Don't Call Me the Prince cover? She did a phenomenal hmm. job on that cover. Yep, she yeah. nailed that one. That was a great one. So, I think it's unanimous here. Alicia Keys is the Rookie of the Year in 2001. Sounds like yep. it. Uh, let's talk about albums that we were really anticipating in 2001. Flashback to 2001 when you guys were younger, had less wrinkles and maybe a little more hair. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding, guys. Uh, what was an album that you guys were really anticipating, Ed? I think I already answered this one, but my the one that I was most hyped for was My Girl Mo. Like, I was ready for that album. I was a big fan due to her work with Missy, and she did a lot of writing on Nicole Ray's album, and y'all know how much I stand for that album. So I was ready for Mo to do her thing, and she did not disappoint. So that was probably one of my most anticipated. I was really excited for One to L's album. It was again. It wasn't like the the number three knock it out the park like the first two were, but that one was a really strong one too. Those are my two. Tom. So let me preface this by saying we love this artist. Uh, we heavily support this artist. This artist is a legend. Has given us some timeless material. But I was really looking forward to this album, and it probably has gone down in my life as the worst album I've ever heard. Wow. And that is Cisco's Return of the Dragon album. Oh, man. I totally and forgot that was this year. So yeah. I have to give that a shout out. Cisco, we love you, but man, I, I want to hear how he feels about that because there's not one song I can listen to on that album. It's just that bad for me. Hmm. There are actually a couple songs I can get with, but overall, going from a five star, yes, I believe his yeah. debut was five stars, going from that. To Return of Dragon did not yep. work out too well. For me. <laughs> it just felt so rushed. And I don't know if they were just rushed to get something else back out, but they did not keep leave that cake in the oven long enough. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, there's actually someone that's on our Twitter that's gonna like kill you because he loves that album. I gotta uh, find this guy and, and sit down with him and have a conversation because he yeah, might need yes. some help. They need mm. some. Jesus needs to be involved. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my most anticipated in two thousand one was Usher eighty seven oh one. I still remember the moment that I was sold on buying this album. I actually bought this album in the "You Remind Me" video. Usher does a handstand and then he goes into a car and like closes the door from top to bottom. And I had never I seen that in my that. life. Doors don't open and close like that, but his did, and I was like, I'm, yeah. I'm buying this album, and I made I made the right purchase. Um, what's an album, guys, that you feel like is 
super underrated and people need to go back and listen to and and really really appreciate to prove Ed. the water is under the bridge i gotta shout out my girl blue can trail if you have not hmm. seen heard this album and i know a lot of people probably haven't because her heyday was really short unfortunately and she was very very talented go check out her debut so blue it's so many again i didn't really like the the goofy first single but everything else it's just mm. top notch. Check that out. Tom. That's your homework. All right. I got eight. I'm going to run through them real quick. <laughs> eight? Sorry. I, got, I I have to do it. We haven't even mentioned IMX's album, IMX. Mm. And they had some gems on there, like Beautiful You Are. I love yep. the song Pillow. I love that. I got to shout that one out. We haven't even talked about Reese. Now, I know a lot of people will call her R&B because she's black, but she's not an R&B artist. But I still have to shout it out. That, song, that album is so fresh. Mm-hmm. Check out Reese, R-E-S, if you haven't heard her. Lena's album, Stranger on Earth. Sounds like nothing I've heard in a long time. Check that one out. Red Star Sounds, Volume 1. Who's heard this compilation? Do you guys I remember have. that? Look at you with the street 2001. <laughs> Check that one out. That was like an awesome neo-soul compilation. Yes, it was. And had a song from the group Jack Herrera on there, which was supposed to release now this year, John B's group. Have to shout that one out. And then one last one, FB Entertainment, the Good Life album, FUBU's album. They had some R&B gems on there. I don't know if anyone's checked that out. But, man, Dawn. Is that the Fatty Girl album? Yes. Dawn from In Vogue, her single was on there. It was Mm. dope. And there's some unknown R&B artists on there that were dope. So everyone check that one out, too. Wow. Okay, my time's up. (laughs) There we go. And, Tom, you forgot Philly's Most Wanted. Uh, I didn't want to say it in front of Ed, but yeah, Philly's most wanted. Get down or lay down. Oof. The Neptunes did their thing. Yeah, I'm gonna lay down right quick. Oh man, uh, my my slept on album that people really need to go back and listen to is Case's album, Open Letter. Yeah, that's a good. One. Um, mm-hmm. what a great album there. Uh, just so many great songs. Conversates on there, even those on there, and of course the big song Missing You is on there. And then, Tom, I'm surprised you didn't mention it, maybe because it's going to be in your top three, so I won't spoil it. But uh, he's a good friend of ours on the site. Uh, but, yeah, I'm going to go with Case here. Uh, nice. Let's, let's get into here now our f- top three albums of 2001. Of all those albums that we just mentioned, maybe some that we didn't mention, um, what are your favorite three or top three albums of 2001? Ed, I'll start with you for number three. Number three... I'm going to go with this album. Shaquille is going to like, hair going to blow up. That's <laughs> fine because that's what I'm here for. My number three favorite of the year is Aaliyah. It's one of those albums that is, I feel like it's legacy has kind of put it a little bit higher than it, what it is because of her untimely passing, because of how it's gone on to influence a decade of R&B and hip hop. But no question, it's a great body of work. It's not flawless, but it's a great body of work. That's my number three. <laughs> Tom? Before I say my number three, the ones that just missed the cut for me were Case, Jagged Edge, Jaheem, Joe, John B, and 112. I could have really put any of those in there, but mm-hmm. just missed. Yeah. My number three is Faith Evans, Faithfully Album. Love it. Probably my second favorite of hers, but still, to me, just might be a classic. Love that one. Mm. My number three would have to be Faith Evans as well. Ooh. I thought that was a great album. Singles were great. Interludes were great. Album cuts were great. The song, Don't Cry. You guys need to go back and listen to that one. Where We Stand, another great one. 
You guys just need to go and listen to that album. Fantastic. You're telling me to go listen to it like I didn't listen to it like two days ago. This is my album player. Stay tuned. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Ed, do you have that album in hard copy? It's here somewhere. Yes, I do. There you go. He's a real R&B fan. Who knew? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Number two, favorite R&B album. What's the number two spot for you, Ed? Number two is your boy, Kyle. Usher, 8701. Um, I... I know, like we talked about a little bit earlier, a lot of people consider this their Usher album, and I get it because yeah. it's so cohesive. And it is the one where he went from, you know, rising star to absolute superstar. You can kind of put that label on him even before Confessions. So this is the one that really was a standout in his career. That's my number two. Tom? So earlier in this podcast, I said Alicia Keys might have had the best album of the decade with her debut. During this podcast, I realized it wasn't even the best album that came out this year. Wow. And right. Alicia Keys is my number two. <laughs> wow. <laughs> now I'm curious to see who your number one is. You've been rocking with Alicia Keys and that album for like five years now. Maybe even more. Longer than I've known you. But uh, my number two, uh, it'll probably have to be the Red Album, the Aaliyah album. When did people start calling it the Red Album, by the way? I, I didn't hear this until like... <laughs> It's been like this past decade before I started hearing it called like the R&B version of the Purple Tape. Like it's relatively new. They were not calling it that in 2001. Trust and believe. Mm. Is it just easier to say that because it's less syllables than saying the Aaliyah album? Well, it it is self-titled, so it is kind of weird to be like, what album do you like, Aaliyah? Like, okay, which one? So it just differentiated it. But I think they're just trying to get their Purple Tape on. Hmm. I'm going to have to start going through the uh, Ashanti discography and name it the Blue Album. <laughs> and oh, I, it's a Blue Album, all right. I know you're familiar with that <laughs> album cover. <laughs> um, number one album of the year for you guys. Your favorite album of 2001 as we wrap this thing up. Ed? Well, obviously, I've been hyping it up whole show. My number one is Faith Evans, Faithfully. It's top to bottom, top to bottom. Incredible singles. Even better album cuts. That's something we do not get today. And even in 2001 was a bit of a rarity. But across the board, one of the few albums that I can play from front to back. Y'all always have on Twitter, tell me a no-skip album. To me, this is an album where I really don't skip anything. I absolutely love it. I love the samples. One of my favorites ever. That's my number one. Tom? That's impressive. We we all had that Faith album in yeah. our top three. It's a great That's- album. So, my number one, guys, I'm going with the newly titled Red Album mm. by Aaliyah. I, I love newly that album. I, re- <laughs> I, <laughs> I had to recently realize during this podcast, I had to come to a rev- revelation that I still listen to it probably the most out of any of these. And just the fact that it still sounds fresh mm. and it was so ahead of its time, I got to give it credit for that. That's a solid pick. My number one. And prior to me putting this album um, on my list, I really went through the track list. And it was kind of hard for me to put it at number one because there are a couple of songs that I don't like on this album. But the highs are so high on this album that I have to go with Usher's 8701. Can you help me? I'm still waiting for him to perform that live. (laughs) Uh, The only thing I'll say about that album is some of the songs near the end, it, it got a little too long for me. But... When it's great, when that album is great, it's it's really, really great. So 
I'm going to go with that one. And I got to give a quick plug. I got to say that 112 was like a really close honorable mention. I really wanted to put that one in there. I might still do that. Can we have like two number threes? <laughs> yeah, 112 would be my my number 3.5 if I could. Nice. So, Dad, did you, Ed, you didn't have Aaliyah? No, that was my number three. So we all had Aaliyah too and Faith? Yeah. And did we all have Usher? No, you didn't have no. Usher. I had Alicia. I didn't have Usher. Okay. Yeah. Alicia was uh, up there as well for me, but I think uh, it was pretty unanimous that uh, Faith would be on there. It's such a great album. But I think that's it for this week, guys. Ed, what's going on with So In Stereo before we, uh, we, we hop off? Before we wrap it up, stay tuned to So In Stereo. I got a new round, new season, so to speak, of album rankings coming up. I'm going to do Your Boy, Calm. I'm going to finally get to John B., Gonna get to Avant, gonna get to Royster 59, gonna get to um, Lecrae. And if you haven't seen it already, check out the top 100 RB, top 100 hip hop songs of the 1990s. It was me, a kind of a round table of members of the Soul and Stereo Cypher on Facebook. We've been working on this thing for months. I was glad we could finally get it up. And it has a playlist too, so check that out the 100 best rap songs of the 90s. My favorite decade. Awesome. Tom, what's going on with You Know I Got So? We just interviewed Mark Batson. Yeah, we just interviewed producer Mark Batson. He has a special album out, his debut. Definitely worth checking out. We're, we got some other things we're cooking up. Not not a lot, too much music has come out lately, so we're trying to stay on top of all that. But uh, just stay tuned to the site. Keep it locked. We got some other stuff we're working on. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, 2000, which is the next week we're working on, we might have to take a week off just because Halloween is next week. I don't actually know who's going trick-or-treating, but just in case someone is, <laughs> uh, we might not be here next week, or we might do like a Friday or Sunday thing. So just stay tuned for the flyer. We'll post a date, and everyone can go check it out. And then before we uh, move on from the 2000s, what we're going to do here is we're going to recap the entire 2000s decade so that'll be fun to to list out our top three favorite albums from the whole decade but we'll get to that ready for the fights we'll get to that (laughs) when we get to that i think uh that's it for this week some new music came out here uh this week so go check it out um and i think that's it guys i appreciate everyone for tuning in on instagram live on youtube Next week, we might even have it on Facebook. So you guys stay tuned, (laughs) and uh, thanks for all the support. And we'll be back next week with another great episode. Take care, guys, and be safe out there, and vote. (laughs) Yes, Peace, guys.